0: Everybody. Welcome to The Tech Analyst Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Shrout, Principal Analyst at Shrout Research, joined by Patrick Moorhead, Principal Analyst at More Insights and Strategy. And today, Patrick, we have a lot of stuff to cover, mostly stemming from the world of Mobile World Congress.
1: I know. There, you know, it's funny. Uh, MWC uh, is, is one of those conferences that you kind of love to hate, or I love to hate in that there's a ton of content, but uh, getting in and out of that uh, that venue is is challenging. So I decided to uh, uh, do the show and wake up at 5 a.m. on Sunday, uh, like I think you did, and mm-hmm. and watch uh, watch all the keynotes. But both of us did get a bunch of pre briefs uh, ahead, so I really don't feel like I missed anything at all, other than the ham uh, and cheese. That was about it. That's true. Maybe the maybe the paella.
0: A lot of good, a lot of good food, some really beautiful uh, areas and landscapes to go to. But I also enjoyed, we're, as we're both recording this uh, from our respective homes. Let's let's jump into it. Samsung obviously kind of had the biggest flagship announcement from the show. They announced the Galaxy S nine, S nine plus, uh, and these are you know brand new smartphones that have a lot of similarities to their previous generation, but also a lot of impressive improvements if we start looking at processor camera those types of things right
1: yeah it was a it was a an evolution uh not kind of this black and white swinging around the room uh, new form factor but they changed almost everything i mean from uh the the camera which which by the way to me at least on paper is a melding of everything i want it looks to have the low light capability of the pixel 2 uh, has uh, dual lens, dual uh, OIS, uh, like the iPhone 10, and then it adds special features that are Samsung only, like the super slow-mo at 960 frames a second. And, you know, give the people what they want. You know, all our research uh, says that uh, in premium phones, uh, the camera is, is basically the, the biggest driver uh, of of purse intent, and, mm. and so I think Samsung's going to do better uh, with the S nine than they did with the uh, the the S with the S eight. What do you think? I I think there's
0: some really interesting stuff there. One, obviously, they they upgraded the processors, and they're still doing a kind of a split design. Here in North America, they'll be using the Qualcomm Snapdragon 845. In some other regions, they'll be using the Exynos uh, 9810. I, you know, we, we've talked about the Snapdragon 845 performance here before. It was interesting to point out that a couple of different websites had, were able to run some benchmarks on that Exynos part and had very different performance results than expectations, like surprise, surprise, the Antutu benchmark results were surprisingly high, but yet uh, something like Geekbench was still a little bit behind the Apple SoC. So there's definitely some interesting discussions we'll have once these phones really make it into the review status and people start getting them in their hands in terms of what the user experience changes will be because of these uh, processor changes. They did not have 4K HDR capture, which is something we were talking about beforehand, Um, and a little bit surprising considering Qualcomm, you know, in their their lead up to the 845 release and all their image processing stories really talked up that feature. This is probably because of the split processor design.
1: Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. And, you know, the Exynos has actually done an admirable job staying close, but this is one of these black and white features that for a, a, $900 Nine hundred dollar phone. It seems like you would want to find a way to get it in there, but it's tough. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And to Qualcomm's credit, it did a lot of engineering to to get the 4K HDR to work and and work well. I was happy to see that there. You know, with the eight forty five, you get the X uh, twenty modem, the one point two gigabit per second. I wish Samsung would play that up a little because that's twice the the max performance that you could get from an iPhone ten that uh, maxes out at 600 megabits uh, per second. So theoretically, you can get twice the speed, you know, if you're sitting on top of that building at, at 3 a.m. and you're the only one connected. But uh, it's probably going to get two to three times the, uh, the actual speeds. Right.
0: What about uh, AR Emoji? Do we feel like this is uh, uh, a good competitor to what Apple did with their animated emojis, or is this kind of uh, like a like a a joke feature at this point?
1: I think it's a checklist feature. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anybody who had the iPhone ten that that used an emoji beyond the first week, and those aren't just Americans; those are Chinese that I know. And I haven't done any specific research on this, but I don't see emojis everywhere. No, um, you know, I don't see it. it, it you, you're really locked into the. Uh, iMessage ecosystem with this, so I think they they took it up one notch. Um, I do have fun with Bitmojis, and it's it's kind of having a right. a personalized uh, uh, an optimized Bitmoji, yep, which I like. Uh, I think these things, these types of things, do 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 a lot better uh, over in Asia, uh, specifically uh, China, which unfortunately Samsung has uh, about one percent market share in. Mm-hmm. But maybe this phone uh, boosts them up. The one thing that that I, I thought was was compelling um, beyond uh, the AR emoji was the new Dex Pad. Right. And you know essentially you know they they've upped their game, which enables you to use the phone as a touchpad and even a little mini keyboard. And while I don't think that's the black and white feature that makes us all ditch our desktop PCs uh, and use our phone and Dex. Uh, I, I did like the improvements that it made, and it is getting us closer to, for lack of a better term, a a light desktop experience. They also boosted the resolution uh, to 2560 by 1440, um, and more and more applications uh, support Android 7 and windowing uh, out of it. So to me, it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, I was
0: going to bring up the what just to ask what your thoughts were on the enterprise edition of this they had had the enterprise edition with the note 8 that i had looked at previously but now they you know they're bringing that to the S9 S9 plus does this give them some additional momentum in order to combine a flagship level phone and the enterprise for something that employees
1: will actually utilize so it's it i see it as a two horse race now in the enterprise it's it's apple right and they had arguably had a a 3 to 5 year head start in the enterprise and ios is super secure so so they they have that market share lead but i i feel like uh the feature set and the focus i you know i i think you mentioned this uh in in one of your articles that it's really the only phone that has a dedicated uh capability Mm -hmm. and the tools to to go along with it
0: yep Another phone that was announced at Mobile World Congress was the Sony Xperia XZ2. Uh, This one is... Sony makes really interesting devices that I don't feel like get a whole lot of attention in the U.S. uh, In particular, they tend to be very high quality, very interestingly designed, at least in my viewpoint. This one uh, is particularly interesting for me because it it again uses the snapdragon 845 another flagship phone that qualcomm can can add to its uh as another feather in its cap it also uh has that 4k hdr capture that we talked about was missing from the uh galaxy s9 phones and you know, Qualcomm put out a big press release about the fact that this is a phone that is using the Qualcomm RF front end design, which is essentially all the electronics that goes between the modem and the antenna, all the multiplexers and the filters and all that type of stuff. All that is a Qualcomm design in this Sony phone, uh, which I found particularly interesting. And I think this morning Asus also announced that its next flagship phone, although they weren't announcing the phone itself, uh, was also going to use the Snapdragon 845 as well as Qualcomm's RF front-end design end-to-end on that. So I think that's, you know, the the Sony phone is interesting that it has the 4K HDR capture. I'm really, I'm I'm actually really excited to get my hands on that phone and see what that looks like and then try to play back that content on my PC or on my TV where I have HDR-enabled displays and see, you know, for myself what improvement in capture quality you get with that technology, but also for Qualcomm, it's an interesting data point in its continued uh, attempt to take over some significant market share in that valuable RF front-end space.
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised that Sony hasn't done better in the U.S. on their smartphones. I, I think in many cases they had the goods, but but I just don't think that they followed through with all of the marketing. So. Uh, it's nice to see this. I feel like they are stepping up uh, in, in the U.S. Um, you know, they they had uh, the first 4K uh, phone display, and 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 yeah, when you weren't playing 4K content, it it uh, it it downsampled. But but I'm okay with that. And you know, they're typically using the highest end uh, components from Qualcomm, so I'm I'm hoping they can uh, step it up. I did, you know, to, to your point about Qualcomm, Qualcomm coined a, a new term and it was modem to antenna win. So, while the digital portion of the modem uh, gets all of the headlines, uh, have, having to have uh, the digital plus the analog is the only way you're gonna get a full solution. And what's uh, incredible about this is is that uh, Qualcomm really hasn't done very well in RF, but. Based on four or five years of investments and uh, in working with TDK, they now have a full uh, analog stack. Yeah. And you know the, the, the companies that I think have the most to lose here are companies like uh, Broadcom, Corvo, and uh, Skyworks. Yeah, do you think
0: – I was thinking about this last night. I was writing another piece. Is it a coincidence that Qualcomm is suddenly having uh, success in the high end of the RF market? Timed with the with the Broadcom acquisition push, it's kind of an interesting uh, rabbit hole to dive down.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I ended my Forbes article uh, that I published this morning uh, uh, with that, and you know, basically, it. You know, every day uh, I'm seeing more reasons to think that Broadcom is trying to buy Qualcomm because of that. They're they're getting into Broadcom's business with 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 RF and. They're taking share. Uh, Qualcomm is taking share in Wi-Fi. They're the only game in town uh, with mesh. So, yeah, I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Also, another interesting thing to slip in, Huawei announced the MateBook X Pro. They didn't announce any phones at their press conference, uh, but they did announce tablets and this notebook. This MateBook X Pro is really interesting in that it takes what I think was a very good-looking design in the MateBook X that they've had previously, but now... Uh, they've really, really gone down the road of thin bezels, even thinner than what the XPS 13 has done, I believe. Uh, Super high resolution screen, 3000 by 2000, I believe. It does have uh, what I would call a unique camera placement (laughs) in that it essentially is in the function rows, uh, in the function row keys, and it pops up a little bit and points at you. So it's, it's like a really interesting engineering decision to make. But I think of an equally poor, if not worse, decision in terms of physical placement uh, compared to what the XPS 13 has done by putting it in the bottom left corner or middle of of its display. Uh, From a hardware perspective, these devices do move to the 8th generation Intel processors, so quad-core 15-watt parts, and they use a discrete MX150, which I think uh, you and I both agree on is not incredibly powerful, but it's definitely better than what you'll get out of the integrated graphics from intel it's just you'd either like to see a little bit more or why even kind of have it in there right
1: i i tell you you're being so kind um on this one i i think the camera up the nose uh is is going to be uh, an issue uh, accentuate people's double chins uh more than uh, they, <laughs> yeah. they do today like mine Um, I love the edge to edge. It's sexy as heck, but I I just don't think the solution I I much, I would have loved to have seen something that popped up off the display. Uh, in, in, but I know that there's thickness that goes along with, with these, with these cameras. Um, and I, I would have loved to have seen KB Lake G, but maybe that was just a, uh, a stretch, uh, a stretch too far, yeah, uh, I given think, the uh, thermal.
0: Yeah, I think for the form factor, Cabulate G is you know a forty-five watt system at minimum. This is fifteen plus GPUs. You're probably looking at maybe in the thirty range. They did add touchscreen to it. No, no specific pricing information. Although the the rumored information I saw that was all listed in euros, and that it would, and that this story claimed there would be a one to one ratio on that. This is not going to be a cheap system either. Uh, so I'm curious, this will be available in the next couple of months though. So we won't have to wait long to see, uh, what that, uh, what that actually becomes.
1: Yeah. In my, in my, uh, analysis of their devices, they they get really, really close, but they're just not yet there to be able to hang with the premium devices from, uh, the other players. You know, the other thing that they brought out was a, a new line of tablets, um, you know, Huawei is one of the top tablet makers, and they priced them above uh, iPads, uh, which right. was really darn surprising to me. Uh, they may have a few more bells and whistles, but you just cannot price tablets above the number one market share leader. It's nope. just that is not going to end well, and I expect the tablets to be on promotion uh, for most of, uh, most of their time.
0: Yeah. Qualcomm uh, did announce an updated VR headset reference design. so they they had this. this existed. I believe this started with the eight twenty or eight twenty one, the Snapdragon eight twenty or eight twenty one uh, where they built a a reference freestanding headset, not one that uh, a VR headset that has a slot and a phone their idea is to build dedicated devices for this and then you know they got a little bit maybe a, a, an inkling of traffic with that with the Snapdragon 835 they built another reference design uh, they're now updating that to the 845 um, they, they you know they they had Better than I would have thought. Success in terms of capturing, you know, an Oculus, an HTC, a Lenovo device, all using the Snapdragon products that are that are for sale in retail, uh, if not in the U.S. and many other regions in the world. Snapdragon eight forty five offers offers the opportunity to improve uh, both thermals, battery life, and performance. As this chip, based on our testing, shows thirty percent better CPU performance and 30% better GPU performance compared to the previous generation Snapdragon part. So while they don't, they didn't announce any design wins or any customers or partners yet, they are are sticking to their dedication to this, this field that I think we would both agree again has, has slowed considerably compared to what we thought might happen. But technologically speaking, I, th- I think freestanding cordless, you know, not attached to a PC headsets are really what's going to take off if VR is going to take off. And Qualcomm has the best platform for that.
1: Yeah, you know, we're, we hit the peak of the hype cycle in 2017, and and now we're kind of entering this trough of disillusionment. And um, as as I think people in the industry know that that, that AR and VR are the future, and and therefore, you know, we're headed in that direction. And I think these, you know, 30%, 40% improvements are what we're going to need every year to get where we need to get where we have everything aligned, right? It's cordless, it's high performance, uh, it's 5G, uh, low latency, and, and we're just removing that. And we have a little bit more optimized content.
0: And then uh, I think that the final thing we may talk about today on the Qualcomm side, because they, as normally do at these types of events, just just put out a ton of information and new products. They, they're they still pushing the, the always-on, always-connected PC. Uh, and even though we don't have products for sale yet, well, I guess there was a pre-order of the HP X2 using the Snapdragon processor, the 835. What they went out of their way to do was announce... You know, major carriers had signed on to either provide data plans for these devices, or I think in one case in France, that the retailer had agreed to sell these devices in their stores and also their retail outlets that were going to carry these. I think the most interesting, maybe missing piece from this is that Best Buy is not going to sell these products, which I find incredibly interesting. Amazon will be the biggest player in North America in terms of selling. The Snapdragon-based Windows 10 PCs, Windows, Microsoft Stores will also carry them, which I think those two outlets offer very different advantages. The Microsoft Store is kind of looked at as the flagship design place. You know, devices that are sold there tend to be the best of the best, what Microsoft wants to showcase as the as their premium products. Uh, but they are lower volume. There are fewer stores in the in the US. Amazon is obviously where you'll get your bulk revenue from. And uh, Amazon, from my understanding and talking with some people at Qualcomm, is actually really excited for this opportunity because Best Buy isn't signing on. They don't have to compete with those retailers. Uh, any thoughts on this or, or on, on, on the lack of a Best Buy signing on?
1: Yeah. So I, I think that you know, I love the shock and awe that, that Qualcomm did. I mean, 13 carriers and 12 retailers uh, uh, signing up is a big deal. And for the most part, they were the right carriers and the right retailers. And yeah, the only exception is Best Buy. Uh, Best Buy technically has the monopoly position in brick and mortar PCs in, in, in the U.S. You know, they're the last man standing after everybody else uh, went out of business uh, a close second is Walmart, but uh, they don't do anything premium. Uh, I think that um, you know they're they're likely negotiating with Qualcomm still, looking for a better deal from Intel, uh, yeah. or they're waiting. Uh, what I was told by a retail analyst was that uh, they're still negotiating with the carriers to get to get their bounties, um, to get money for yeah. the uh, carrier bounties, but. I, I, I'm split on this. On one side, I think it's important for, for people to feel, touch and feel, but on the coasts uh, in the U.S., uh, people have the ability to do that um, through a Microsoft store. I think middle of America uh, won't be able to do that, the to touch and feel, they, they won't sell it. But if you look around the world, whether it's uh, FNAC uh, in France or, or PC World, uh, places like that, those are, those are the leading big box retailers. Yeah. I think uh, what I'm looking more forward to here is, is to really understand the sign-on experience uh, with the uh, 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 with with the carriers. So I'm um, I am chomping at the bit to get access to that. Yeah, the carriers haven't announced pricing
0: at all yet, which I, I'm a little disappointed in. Not shocked, but disappointed in. Um You know, they've announced they're going to support it, at least in the US. They've got agreements with AT&T, Verizon, uh, T-Mobile, and uh, uh, Sprint, but they haven't announced what they're going to charge for this. So I, I think that will actually be a really important part of this story. Will sprint offer hey ten dollars a month for adding it to your unlimited plan will they want thirty dollars a month will they want fifty dollars a month because hey this is a pc and the chances are you're going to use a lot more data it's a really interesting debate obviously all four carriers will probably have a different take on it but uh, uh having having used one of these devices for quite a while now the the convenience is still there but I haven't had come to a point where I've had to worry about data yet. If, if this were my only PC and and I was using it um, um, quite a bit more on the go, there's still that chance, right? My Dropbox is always syncing or my OneDrive is always syncing or whatever, you know, and so you don't quite know. So I am curious to see what, uh, what these carriers come up with.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm actually comfortable with that. So for instance, uh, my OneDrive will tell me that I'm on a – it'll actually turn off My auto syncing and then in Outlook it it will actually give me a warning and won't do a connection Uh, and I'll have to uh, press press a a button on the screen that says yeah it's okay to sync. I'm actually okay there but what I haven't done is I I have no experience with Dropbox on the platform. Uh, or gosh, even uh, uh, Google Files, which right. will likely be the last one to become optimized for this platform.
0: Uh, yeah, I would, I would imagine so. Uh, AMD had an interesting announcement of products that uh, I will, I will openly admit is not something I had, I had looked into a lot previously, but had a lot of conversations with them about. This particular re- release, the the embedded product lines of the Epic three thousand series and the Ryzen V one thousand series, and what's interesting about these. Is a couple of things. One is they're they're very different markets. The Epic 3000 kind of goes after your edge compute, or your networking gear, or your uh, you know network attached storage gear. Anything that that needs high performance processing power for 10 gigabit switches, for example, uh, will, would utilize some of this hardware. The Ryzen V1000 targeted obviously at things that that will utilize graphics performance as well as uh, other things. The um, you know, casino gaming is the one that always stands out to me, right? AMD has always kind of had a an interesting position in casino gaming because, as you if you go look at slot machines in Vegas or anywhere at this point, and you see two, three, sometimes four high resolution screens all running 3D graphics, you'd only really think about this being a place that needs that type of compute, uh, but it is. Uh, you've also got thin clients. Uh, military, aerospace, uh, medical imaging, those areas all need some graphics capability. And uh, AMD hasn't really been able to put together a solid product for them because they've, they've had you know, lackluster CPU performance, even though their integrated graphics in comparison to Intel was solid uh, throughout the last five years or more the CPU had fallen way behind. With the Ryzen architecture, they now have uh, high, highly competitive CPU architecture, and they still have the clear advantage in GPU, which I think gives them some added benefit in this space. Um, and I know we were talking about before about the the potential revenue of edge compute on here with uh, with that Epic series as well.
1: Yeah, historically, the success or failure of a company's embedded business or or integrated business uh, comes and falls with its traditional business. And that's that's been true with AMD, and that's been true with Intel and, and even uh, other processor makers. So I think that AMD will have a lot to look forward to here because I think they can do pretty well here. I, I think they've always done well with the embedded uh, clients in, in things like slot machines. But what I'm most excited about is, is the embedded Epic. Uh, You know, between 100 watts and 35 watts, and and whether it's um, uh, a network switch uh, that you're running SDN or or NFV capabilities on, uh, um, uh, I think this is going to be I think this is going to be good for AMD.
0: Yeah. ARM had an interesting uh, launch as well. Maybe we call it launch, technological release, uh, called ARM Kaigen, I believe is what the, uh, the nomenclature here is. This is a, a security and space-saving integration of a SIM card, essentially, an iSIM that's basically going to be integrated into the SOC itself. Now, the advantages of that, some of it are a little bit beyond me and what I know about the security spaces in general, but what, what did they tell you about some of that?
1: Yeah, so um, the, this whole notion of having identity, at, you know, regardless of how big or, or how small the endpoint is, is becoming increasingly important because uh, if if you don't know the identity, then how do you know what you're updating? And how do you know if you're running the right software, it just makes security a complete mess. So uh, s- standard SIM cards are just are just too big, even micro SIM, eSIM is too big. And, you know, iSIM is, is even smaller than that. So what, what this enables using, you know, what I'll call standard SIM in a non-standard but small package or a new, new type of package is the ability to have that identity and know who that endpoint is and also be able to control it, uh, shut it off, uh, turn it on uh, via uh, wireless. So hmm. it's essentially getting getting smaller things even, uh, even more secure. And there's a lot of technology around it. Uh, it's part of ARM's uh, platform security architecture, uh, and this one is all about uh, device identity. I like it. Yeah. Um, one
0: thing, actually, I I skipped a little bit. And yeah. I do I do feel like I want to go back and talk on uh, on that always connected PC. Microsoft posted a support page about the limitations of the Windows on ARM or ARM-based processors running Windows 10 architecture. Did you get a chance to look at that? I'm curious what our thoughts are on some of these limitations. A lot of them I think we expected. Maybe some of them will surprise some people uh, in terms of what they cover. And you know, things like 64-bit apps aren't going to run. it it will emulate 32 bit apps, but it won't emulate 64 bit apps. I did some research on this and tried to find what applications that I use personally, that are 64 bit only, and there are none, you know, other than high end gaming, which obviously this platform is not targeted towards almost everything I run is already 32 bit or offers both a 64 bit and a 32 bit version, right? If you like, if you use uh, 7-Zip for your your uh, compression and storage software, for example, it offers both a 64-bit and a 32-bit version, even though it doesn't have a Windows Store variant. Uh, you can't use x86 drivers, which I think is maybe the most interesting discussion point as people, you know, you don't have to worry about changing out the hardware in your device. So the GPU, the CPU, the storage, all that will have drivers that are functioning out of the box, clearly. Clearly. Uh, but what may be a problem that I don't yet have an answer from Qualcomm on is what about printers? What about scanners? What about some of these accessories that people may still use in their in their small, medium businesses or even at home um, for that regard? Uh, no Hyper-V support, so no no virtualization. I don't think that's a big concern for this platform. Um, and then certain types, they, what, what uh, the Therat.com story calls it, certain classes of apps won't run. Anything that modifies the Windows user, user interface Shell extensions, uh, input method editors, uh, cloud storage apps, some of those things won't work out of the box with uh, the the windows ten on arm structure or Windows ten on snapdragon i guess do you Do you view any of these limitations as potentially threatening to what
1: momentum Qualcomm has? You know it all depends on uh, your mindset going into this, right? We we both live through Windows on ARM, and there are no free lunches. I mean, if you want to get the super um, super long battery life, and you want to get the higher consistency in, in terms of the user experience, there's a trade-off, yeah. right? So there were some things that I never expected. So I, I went in expecting not a lot. Uh, I've had uh, my hands on a few early devices like the HPX2, and I have the the ASUS uh, uh, convertible yep. uh, right now. And I've been pleasantly surprised uh, with Office-type of applications. And I haven't even tried to run a game. There hasn't been an application that I've run that hasn't run. That doesn't mean that uh, there aren't. Right. Uh, I do all my printing through uh, wireless and and through the network or Wi-Fi Direct, uh, and that works. That's true. Okay. Um, okay. I, I you know I don't use uh, memory cards, so you know what I'm interested in seeing is the wide area testing that 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 has has gone into this. You know, so for instance, this is what has been tested, and this doesn't work. These things do work uh, to really put you know more of a data. Type of answer together as opposed to uh, these were my experience. My personal experiences have been have been uh, quite positive.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I there have been only one or two instances where something hasn't worked as I expected, but I was in both cases able to find a Windows Store app to replace it. I think the biggest drawback for me is if you want the best performance and battery life right now, Chrome isn't compiled natively as an arm application which is ironic considering you know the android ecosystem and its background um so you know using microsoft edge is kind of the browser of choice for these platforms today i have converted over to using that and there's a you know a smaller but uh amicable to my use cases plug-in ecosystem that involves there and i haven't had any issues migrating myself over from chrome to edge for this device other people may have may have well, is- points
1: Yeah, this kind of gets me to this, you know, my recommendation uh, right after the uh, Qualcomm uh, technology event in December was I'd like to see finer granularity in the target markets. I think this is perfect for uh, uh, 1099 road warriors who are doing office applications, Uh, you know, folks like us, right? We run our own companies. uh, We're on planes uh, a lot. We're moving around. And we're running uh, Office and PowerPoint and OneNote and, and doing some web research when we're on the go. When we get back to our desks, we're using a big honking desktop, uh, and, and we don't need the device. So, so to yeah. me, this is replacing my 10-inch iPad uh, or my 13-inch iPad, not my notebook. Um, yeah. and, and, and secondly, I think it's this is great for students. We did a research project uh, on the unmet uh, computing needs of college students. And number one was the quality of the connectivity. And you might be thinking, well, wait a second. They have free Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi is terrible and it's unreliable. <laughs> and and what do they do most? They're sitting, they're taking notes, they're writing research papers, they're doing web research. Yep. Um, so I'd like to see a, a much tighter focus on the messaging and the marketing. Now, I haven't seen everybody and everything, but I have seen... Uh, HPE, Lenovo, and Asus, Asus's uh, f- uh, first move here. Yep. And that, what I think that would do is that would limit the potential risk of a peripheral or a piece of expected software that that, that doesn't work uh, as you like.
0: Agreed, and I, and I think they, they've they tried to dispel the rumor that this is a, an enterprise play at first because enterprise is another area where you would definitely have custom applications that maybe would require kernel-level drivers um, that would not function or specific applications that utilize some of these capabilities that are more obtuse in the Windows uh, environment. So we will see relatively shortly. I believe that HP device is supposed to start shipping march 9th i believe so we're getting awfully close to when these are going to start appearing in uh reviewers and consumers hands so we'll have our we'll have our first round of feedback soon uh i think that's going to round up the episode for us here that is uh quite a bit for mobile world congress although i won't Uh, uh, take away the chance that we maybe get even more announcements throughout the week. I know there's some other things we want to cover in the next episode that maybe weren't mobile-specific related, so we'll touch on those uh, in the next episode. Uh, You can find all of those episodes and all of our upcoming ones at thetechanalysts.com. Or you can go to iTunes or Google Play or any of those other places where you happen to subscribe to your podcast. And you can uh, subscribe to us there, The Tech Analysts Podcast. So uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Ryan Shrout. Uh, Thanks for joining me. Patrick, good to talk to you again. Yeah, you too. It's fun stuff. All right. See you guys next time.